Well, every blessing to you all and welcome back to my open air pulpit. Minus one degrees Celsius. As you can see, a lot of snow has fallen over the past 24 hours and yet somewhat bizarrely, it's very uh, mild as of right now. And I know that some of our American brethren experience temperatures around minus 10, 11 or 12. And in Canada, up to what, minus 20. So this is probably kid stuff for our North American brethren, but for the UK, we don't get much snow really. Uh, if it goes to maybe minus one or minus two, or sometimes minus three, that's pretty cold. And for many years, we've had cold winters, but not a lot of snow. And therefore, when it's like it is this morning, I want to make the efforts while it is still around to capture some of the snow. But more importantly, continue working through the Word of God, looking at the Lord Jesus Christ, which of course is referred to as Christology in theological circles. Let's start this morning, if we may, in Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, look at verse 17 if you will. And Jesus going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests, and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death. I guess one of the worst sins in Scripture has got to be the sin of betrayal, treachery. If you go back to the Old Testament, Joseph was betrayed by his brethren, sold out to the Gentiles in type. That's a picture of Jesus Christ being sold out by his brethren, like the Sanhedrin, like the Jewish elites, and he too was sold out and also passed over to the Gentiles, like Pilate and co. Look at verse 18 again. Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man, Son of Man, the Son of Man, shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death. One of the favourite titles, if not the most popular title, the one that the Lord was most fondest of using, would be the Son of Man. And for memory, the term, the title, the Son of Man, appears 80 times in the four Gospels. Contrast that to the Son of God, which only appears 40 times. And therefore, it's worth reminding ourselves that the Lord Jesus Christ has three titles attached to his personage, if you will. The Son of Man, in reference to Adam. The Son of David, in reference to not only David, but also to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, in reference to his messianic credentials. And we could say this, we could say when the Lord made the prophecy back in Psalm chapter 2, how thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. We could say this, that such a statement, such a profound statement, is in reference to the Lord Jesus Christ's messiahship, not necessarily his sonship. And of course, the title, the term, the Son of God, in reference to God the Father. We go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man, in reference to the Lord's humanity, shall be betrayed, sold out, unto the chief priests, and unto the scribes, good old Jewish gentlemen, priests, of course. You may have thought that the people would sell them out, just ordinary people, but it would fall to academics, if you will, scholars, if you will, reverent fathers, if you will. Think about people today that are in uh, ecclesiastical circles, and they are going around correcting the King James Bible, many times preaching another gospel and offering another Jesus. And of course they, like the guys here in verse 18, should know better. 
shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock, and to scourge, and to crucify him, and the third day he shall rise again. And like I say, the Lord Jesus Christ was very fond of using the term, the Son of Man, would have to brief the apostles, the seventy, and sometimes those outside of his inner circle as to what his ministry was all about. They had very short memories. We've got 17 again. And Jesus going up to Jerusalem took the twelve disciples apart in the way, like a private briefing, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, city of peace, the eternal city, and the Son of Man, not the Son of God, and the Son of Man, not the Son of David, shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock. Going back to Joseph being sold out by his brethren, and poor old Joseph was sold out to the Ishmaelites. And if you listen to Islamic apologists, they believe that Muhammad is a descendant of Ishmael. Scourge him, crucify him, and a third day he shall rise again. So three parts, like I say, to the Lord Jesus Christ's uh, personage, Son of Man, going back to Adam, going back to mankind, if you will, Son of God, in reference to, Thou art my Son, my only begotten Son, I am well pleased with him, hear ye him, Thou art my Son, this day have I begotten thee, in reference to his unique relationship to the Father, because again, everyone that has ever lived, or will ever live, have been created, whereas the Lord Jesus Christ has, of course, been begotten. And, of course, Son of David, in reference to Israel. Go to chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. Look at verse 9, if you will. And the multitudes that went before, and that followed, cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Also in reference to his millennial reign, which one day, uh, praise be to the Lord, will come into effect for now. He's reigning in a spiritual sense. He's currently seated at the right hand of the Father. But one day he gets the keys to the kingdom, if you will, and he rules. He reigns. And for those of us which are saved, we hope to co-rule, co-reign with him. Of course, how we live post our salvation will depend as to whether or not we get the keys to our mansions and whether or not we get to rule and reign with him. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried saying Hosanna to the son of David. Sometimes we overlook the title of the term son of David. We spend a lot of time looking at terms and titles like son of man, son of David, trying to work out which is divine and which is not. But he's got a third title like son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. He has the authority of the Lord. Acts chapter 2 says to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, meaning with the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'd be amazed. You'd be shocked. You'd be stunned. How many people read Acts chapter 2 and think that if they get baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that somehow they are going to go to heaven. Acts chapter 2 is given to the Jews. There are no Gentiles present. There are no Gentiles or there are no church people or the church specifically, isn't referred to as being the church until chapter 11. Yes, of course, the church would begin in Acts chapter 2. And yes, those Jews were saved, obviously. Well, they were Jehovah's people. They had to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They had to be identified with the name 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, when it says, come in the name of the Lord, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, or to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ means with the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. So he came the first time, and some Jews would believe on him, but most would not. And after his death, burial, resurrection and ascension, he allows the church, being Jews of course, Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, right up until probably Acts chapter 11 for memory, he allowed the church, being Jewish leaders of course, to preach to the Jews. And many Jews would slowly but surely turn to the Saviour, and by middle parts of the book of Acts, you've got several thousand Jews that are saved, but that's nothing. Nothing when it comes to the millennial kingdom. Because again, the main message from the word of God is about the king, the son of David, and his kingdom, his Davidic kingdom. The church age is just a blip. Our salvation is just a blip when it comes to the bigger picture. Go to Mark chapter 14. I'm currently reading through the entire Bible. I'm up to 2 Samuel, and it was a great blessing for me a few years ago to spend one month, like 30 days, reading the entire Bible. It may have been the month of January, from memory, which of course is 31 days in that month. Uh, Mark chapter 14, Mark chapter 14, a great blessing, but it wasn't easy, of course. It took a lot of time to do that, so I'm now reading the entire Bible at a much more leisurely rates and getting a great blessing. A Mark chapter 14, Mark chapter 14, look at verse 60 if you will. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus saying, Archest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? They're going to interrogate him. Going back to what I said last week, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? And he got the high priest speaking, interrogating the Lord Jesus Christ, but he held his peace and answered nothing. Again the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? In other words, we've heard you going around telling people that you were the Messiah, you are the Messiah, that you are the Son of God. And here they substitute God for the Blessed. Art thou the Christ? Are you the Anointed One? Are you the son of David, the son of the blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. So time after time, he felt more comfortable referring to himself as the Son of Man, going back to Adam, who was very privileged back in the Garden of Eden to name the animals, to co-rule in a sense with his wife but of course when he was tested he would fall he would fail but when the second Adam arrived he would be tested and would not fail look at verse 60 again and the high priest stood up in the midst there's a crowd of people and asked Jesus saying answerest thou nothing a bit like Pilate don't you know I have authority to crucify you what is it which these witness against thee who do you think you are We've got a load of people here that are going to spend most of the night giving evidence against you. 
accusing you of pretty much everything from treason to blasphemy to heresy. But he held his peace and answered nothing. That's terrifying. It's a bit like at the great white throne judgment when people arrive to be judged by the Lord Jesus Christ. And some of these people are going to have their chance to judge the Lord, also mentioned over in the book of Romans. And Paul goes on to say how every mouth will be stopped and all the world will become guilty, become silent. And the last thing you see is the face of the Lord Jesus Christ, but he's not speaking to you. And here these people are under the judgments of the Lord, hence why he doesn't respond to their questioning. Again, the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ? Are you the anointed one? You've been going around saying you were the Messiah, the anointed one. You said your father and I are one. Are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? Or the son of the blessed? And Jesus said, I am. Going back to the book of Exodus. I am that I am. And ye, all of you, shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Revelation chapter 1, morning and weeping. And those people found over in Revelation chapter 1 and later on in the book of Revelation are going to call for the mountains to fall on them. They want to hide from the face of the one that comes down from heaven because they are enemies of his and their sin is being exposed. So when he says how they will see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, like authority, like he's been exalted, like God the Father has received him, given him all authority, so on and so forth. This isn't in reference to such people being commended or being congratulated, like the sheep will do over in Matthew 25, but in reference to the goats, also found over in Matthew 25, and off they go into everlasting fire, everlasting destruction. And coming in the clouds of heaven, of course they knew what that meant, clouds of heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, coming in the name of the Father. John chapter 10 says, we don't stone you for being a man, but for claiming to be the Son of God, claiming to be equal with Almighty God. You shall see the Son of Man, not Son of David, not Son of God, sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Go to uh, chapter 15, chapter 15, chapter 15. It's always fascinating to me when I read through the four Gospels and I'm always learning more. I've only been saved 17 years and like I say, I'm currently working my way through the entire Bible, currently up to 2 Samuel and I'm rediscovering things that I have, I have uh, long forgotten. 39. And when the centurion which stood over against him saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, truly this man was the son of God. So here a Gentile, a centurion, has been observing the Lord Jesus Christ for anywhere from three hours to six hours. And he's called on the name of his father. He would say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Into thy hands I commend my spirit. He's watched this Judean Jew die a very uh, gracious death. No cussing, no cursing, no bitterness, no anger. Most criminals that were crucified had a lot to say. They would be shouting and screaming. 
shouting and cursing and cussing at the Romans and probably their nation being Israel. They were like Barabbas and co. And yet the Lord Jesus Christ, very gracious, very graceful, very decent, doesn't lose his temper, is very calm, very collective. And when the centurion, Gentile, which stood over against him, saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, that's also a great reference to his deity, he decided when he would die. He said, truly, this man was the Son of God. So again, Son of God in reference to the Father. That's why John's Gospel begins with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things are made by him and through him, and uh, without him was nothing made that was made. So John's Gospel skips the genealogies which Matthew and Luke uh, choose. Matthew traces the Lord Jesus Christ as the son of David back to Abraham, whereas Luke traces the Lord Jesus Christ back to Adam, son of man for Adam, son of David for Abraham. And John says, no, I'm going to trace him right back to his father because, of course, he is God's only begotten son. Truly this man was the Son of God. A profound statement for a Gentile to make. Tragically, the Jews would observe him, listen to him, expect and check out his uh, miracles. They would inspect his miracles. And yet the miracles didn't sway them. The preaching didn't sway them. The exhortation of the Bible didn't sway them. The marvelous Sermon on the Mount didn't sway them. They continued to turn from him. They continued to turn their faces from him, going back to what Ezekiel told you would happen. Isaiah and also Jeremiah. Go to chapter 16. So one of the reasons why uh, people back in the Word of God would reject him was obviously due to their sin, their traditions. Mark chapter 7 says how they had their traditions which would replace the Word of God. It would nullify the Word of God, and when you have traditions like the Church of Rome, or the Greek, or the Russian Orthodox people, or even Protestant Christians, when you have traditions which clash, clash with the Scripture, you are nullifying the Scripture. And therefore, one of these fascinating verses explains why the Lord would do what he would do over in Mark 16, uh, verse 12. After that, he appeared in another form, unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. On the road to Emmaus, of course, and they are speaking about the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they said this, well, we were sure he was the Messiah. We were sure he was the promised one, going back to son of David, son of God, son of man. And he walked alongside these two characters. For memory, one was called Cleopas, and I forget the other one. And they aren't even aware who he was because he's close their eyes. As judgment, going back to they had eyes to see but couldn't see, they had ears to hear but could not hear. And in the reference to that or the context for that, Isaiah, Jeremiah and Ezekiel is aimed at unbelieving Israel. Going back to Psalm chapter 2, how the kings of the earth are set up against the Lord and his anointed. Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? And yet tragically, that has some reference to the Lord's own people, his own disciples. And after that, he appeared in another form 
and to two of them he's glorified by now as they walked and went into the country. And he's doing this as judgment. And if you are a saved man or a saved woman and you had a fellowship with the Lord or you no longer believe that this is the infallible word of God or maybe you've got involved with this anti-Trinitarian movement which is continuing to do the rounds, he would just close your eyes, he would just shut your ears and you'll start receiving blessings, anointings, guidance from him and you will eventually hit the buffers and if you're not careful, spend the rest of your life out of fellowship with the Lord. And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. So it goes back to unbelief, the sin of unbelief. These are the Lord's people. This isn't in reference to unbelieving Jews, unbelieving people. This is in reference to the Lord's own people. So 12 again. After that, he appeared in another form concerning the fact that they were in unbelief. Unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue like the rest of the apostles, disciples and early followers. Neither believed they them. Go to Luke chapter 2. So it's all about believing or not believing. You are saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and you are condemned by not believing. Luke chapter 2. Luke uh, chapter 2. Look at verse 46, if you will. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking questions. So, son of man, he's hungry. Son of man, he's tired. Son of man, he's angry. Son of man, he is happy. Going back to his relationship to Adam. And here is my belief that as the son of man, he's listening to the doctors and asking them questions. But son of God, being divine, son of God, Acts chapter 20, having God's blood going through his veins, wouldn't need to ask anyone anything at any time about anything. But here, son of man, He's interested. He's also humbling himself. He's sitting with the doctors, with the scholars. This is one of the great characteristics of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he would humble himself, hang around with his own creation. And after three days, they found him in the temple, Mary and Joseph, sitting in the midst of the doctors, like listening to the rabbis. This was a custom back in the day you would sit at the feet around the rabbis, listening, getting a blessing, understanding what was what. And here the Lord Jesus Christ is around 12 years of age and he's listening. And on top of that, he's asking them questions. Jump over to chapter 3, uh, chapter 3, chapter 3. Look at verse 21, if you will. Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying. The heaven was opened and the Holy Ghost ascended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. So again, in reference to his relationship to the Father, his unique relationship, the only begotten Son of God, not Son of Man, 
but son of God. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli, which was the son of Mathat, which was the son of Levi, which was the son of Malchi, which was the son of Janna, which was the son of Joseph, etc., 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 etc. So the Lord Jesus Christ had at least two parts to his personage, son of God, in reference to the Father, son of man, in reference to Adam, the same is true of us. We are sons of God, 1 John chapter 3, and also sons and daughters of Adam. But of course, the Lord Jesus Christ is divine, whereas we are saved people, adopted into the family of God. Chapter 4. Chapter 4, look at verse 16, if you will. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Son of David, here in a synagogue on a typical Sabbath, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach acceptable year to the Lord. Going back to, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Not just necessarily in reference to his sonship, but possibly in reference to his messiahship. And here, he is about to come of age. I know a great way to come of age in a public sense would be to do so in a Jewish surrounding, in a Jewish synagogue. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. He loved Israel. God the Father loved Israel, still does. God the Father put up with the Jews for centuries and still does. The Lord Jesus Christ is the express image of the Godhead bodily. And therefore it makes perfect sense to go into a synagogue and declare this wonderful news to them. And he began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. I am the Messiah that was foretold. Psalm chapter 2, 2 Samuel, and many other places. I'm also the suffering Saviour, the suffering son of Joseph, Isaiah 53. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? We know this guy. We know Joseph, we know Mary, we know his brothers and sisters, and yet he has the gall to come into our synagogue on a Sabbath day, read from the book of Isaiah, and tell us all that he is the Messiah. You better listen to him. Chapter 5. Uh, chapter 5. Chapter 5, look at verse 18. And behold... Men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, 
and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went up, excuse me, they went upon the housetop and led him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus, suffering Saviour, the Messiah. And here he's going to be healing these people, and yet they don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. But he has a great love for his people. And when he saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Man, on one occasion elsewhere, daughter, and also from John chapter 1, children, and all these uh, references to daughter, son, man, children. Go back to Isaiah chapter 9, how the Lord Jesus Christ is the everlasting Father to Israel, not God the Father. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Absolutely. Before Abraham was, I am he. And if you believe that I am, you are dying your sins. You call me Master and Lord, and so I am. But they couldn't see it. Didn't want to see it. Kicked against it. Rejected it. And therefore the Lord would turn from Israel to the church. That's what Matthew chapter 22, uh, 22 is all about. How they will lose the kingdom of God. And it will be given to a nation bearing the fruits. So on and so forth. Bit of a paraphrase. But in the context it's dealing with a switch from Israel to the church. Temporarily of course. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, verse 22, he answered and said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? He knew their thoughts. Going back to Son of God, elsewhere he would say that the Son of Man didn't know the exact day or hour of his return, only the angels and the Father. And of course, as the Son of Man, going back to chapter 3 of the Gospel of Luke, or going back to chapter 4 of the Gospel of John where he was tired and weary and wanted a drink and something to eat denoting his humanity but as a son of God John chapter 10 he knew when the second advent would be but as a son of man he did not but here he's reading their thoughts 23 whether is easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee or to say rise up and walk of course, both are profound statements, of course. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. Going back to, in a sense, what Adam lost during the fall. Of course, when Adam was around, there was nobody else on the face of the earth. And before he fell, he was upright. He wasn't created imperfect. He was created perfectly. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy couch, and go into thine house. Sometimes Son of Man and Son of God are used interchangeably, but it's my belief when we look at the Son of Man carefully and collectively, we see him as a man, like the man Christ Jesus, limited in submission to his Father, going back to what Adam lost. The second Adam would receive and retain. Contrast that to the Son of God, at one with the Father and being completely in harmony with the Father. Chapter 6. Chapter 6. Look at verse 5. And he said unto them that the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Lord of the temple, 
Lord of the Sabbath, greater than Jonah, greater than Solomon. And those uh, descriptions and terms concerning the Lord Jesus Christ would have infuriated the Jews. For them, their temple was holy. The Sabbath, for some of these Jews, was more important than, than anyone else or anything else. They turned it into an idol almost. And for the Lord to arrive and just tear it down and say how it was now obsolete would have been very difficult for them to comprehend. So for now, I'm going to stop it there. The snow is falling and it's getting a little colder, but we will continue next time looking at the Lord Jesus Christ, trying to fully understand the man, Christ Jesus, what it means to be the Son of Man in reference to Adam, the Son of David in reference to the Jews, in reference to the thousand-year reign, and also the Son of God in reference to God the Father. Like I say, we have two parts to our beings, if you will, son of man, or sons of man, in reference to our humanity. We are all Adam's physical descendants, but also we are sons and daughters of God uh, due to the new birth. A fascinating subject, and Lord willing, we will continue this next week. And may the Lord bless you all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So just a very quick PPS, if I may, before I leave the open-air pulpit for this morning. Jump over to Hebrews uh, chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2, and I wanted to read this a few weeks ago, but I forgot to, so I want to do it this morning if I may. Hebrews chapter 2, look at verse 11 if you will. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, not ashamed to call them brethren, not ashamed to call believing Jews brethren, not ashamed to call those of us which have believed on him brethren as well, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren, in the context, believing Jews, but vicariously, the body of Christ, in the midst of the church, in the middle of the church, will I sing praise unto thee, and again, I will put my trust in him, and again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. So we are all family, the Lord Jesus Christ is our older brother, the Lord Jesus Christ is God's only begotten Son. We are all saved the same way. We are all baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ via the Holy Ghost. We are all adopted children, going back to the Lord Jesus Christ being a son of Adam. Contrast that to those of us which are saved being physical descendants of Adam, but of course that won't save us. We have to leap out of Adam's family into the family of God. Son of God, divinity, deity, the blood of God, Acts chapter 20, God's blood, Acts chapter 20, would go through the veins, would run through the veins of the Lord Jesus Christ, because when you sin against God, only God himself can forgive you, and again, son of David, in reference to Israel. So three parts, three aspects to the Lord Jesus Christ. He covers the sins of the Jews, of the Gentiles, and ultimately he pleases his father by dying on the cross. But these verses point back to the Lord Jesus Christ being our older brother, which is a wonderful statement, who is God's only begotten son, which is another wonderful fact and subject to really think about on this bitterly cold January morning. And also son of David, the credentials to be able to preach to the Jews, to fulfill the Abrahamic covenant, 
and all the other covenants back in the Old Testament. So there are many layers, many aspects to the master, the ministry of the master, the man, Christ Jesus. And like I say, sometimes son of man, son of God are used interchangeably, but not always. Because the son of God, as God, in a sense that we don't really understand, cannot die, whereas the son of man, as a descendant of Adam, coming to pay for Adam's sin, is able to die for the sins of the world. God can never die. This causes a lot of confusion in certain circles. How could God Almighty die when Jesus Christ died? Did God die? Who was running the shop? And if you think of the two natures, Son of Man, Son of God, and going back to what I said a while ago now, how the Son of Man would be physically tired, need refreshments, so on and so forth, whereas the Son of God didn't need any of those things because he had his Father in heaven who sustained him and the Holy Ghost who was able to anoint him. But I will hold it there for now. And uh, by the grace of God, I've been able to put this clip together this morning. It's a beautiful, crisp day and it's now minus two degrees Celsius. So it's going to be freezing cold tonight. But Lord willing, I will return next week and the next couple of weeks if I'm able to and continue working my way through the four Gospels, looking at the three aspects to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll hold it there. And this time I will sign out for good and wish you every blessing and happiness in the wonderful name of our great God and Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.